Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. You guys awake? Good. Well, my name is Robbie. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a privilege to be sharing God's word with you. And uh, I tell you, I got to go down onto the strip side and to have one of those donuts. I had the Oreo one, which is a great combination of real Oreos. Not that fake stuff, all right? Real Oreos on a donut, so good. And then they also have a bacon donut for the men in the house. So if you get a chance, make sure you go down and check it out. Real good donuts. But I hope you caught that the message of that video wasn't really about donuts. But it was about how God can change your purpose. Can change you and mold you and shape you and use you. Gives you a new business plan. A new direction in life. And you see that here. He's not just a donut shop owner. No, but he is a vessel which God can use, which he can use. And can I tell you, we all want to be used by God. It was just the other day, I was in Giant Eagle after church. I normally go grocery shopping after church, and uh, I'm just generally going through the aisles, grab a few things, of course, steak, because I'm a man, I had steak. So I had steak in my hands, and the grocery, and I'm going through, and uh, all of a sudden, I hear a noise that was unfamiliar to the grocery store. I turn around, and this woman begins to convulse. I knew immediately right then she was having a seizure. I ran over quickly, was able to catch her. Another woman was there to help me. We caught her right before she fell and hit her head. We called for the paramedics. Paramedics come. Eventually take, care, take over the situation. And I walk away from that, grateful just to be used. Not that I did a huge part, but just that I caught her and I was able to be used. That there, There's such joy when we are used by God. Such joy when we're just beneficial to others. I was reading an article in, in Yahoo about some great generosity. Uh, there was a woman who was a waitress, and uh, it was a typical day with a typical customer, and they began to talk about traveling. And she expressed to this customer how she'd one day love to go to Italy. She had relatives there, and she would love to walk the old streets. She loved to eat the fine food and taste of the wonderful wine. And then after the meal, the customer left and left the bill, the receipt there, and this is what the customer, I have a picture of it, here's what was left. You see that? He left a $1,000 tip on a $62 bill, and then the message said, your ticket to Italy, enjoy. Now that's some generosity, right? When we look at that, we go, that's crazy. To a stranger, someone would give $1,000? That's crazy. And then the cynic in us arises. This guy must have won the lottery, Right? Or this guy must have been a millionaire. But I wonder, what if this, what if this was this person's last $1,000? What if this really hurt to give? And then I wonder, who received more that day? Was it the woman that gets to go on the trip or the person that made it happen? See, when we look in the Gospel of Acts and we look in the Bible, it's all about God using people. And there's such joy in that. See, I don't think on our last days we're going to look back at our lives and go, I wish I was a little bit more selfish. I don't think we're going to look back and say, man, I wish I would have wasted more time. I wish I would have played more video games. I don't think that's going to happen when our credits are about to roll. No. What I really believe is when we're going to look back on our lives, we're going to have some hard questions. And I think we're going to look back and go, man, I wish I would have given more. I wish I would have served more. I wish I would have told people more about this Jesus. And the real question we're going to ask on our last days is, did my life make a difference? Did my life make a difference on this earth? And today we're going to kind of look at how God can use us, can use the church. 
So would you turn with me to Acts chapter 12 as we dive into the Word. It's also in your service sheet that you were handed when you walked in. Acts chapter 12. Now I have a different translation. I'm going to the newer NIV, so it's going to be just a little different, but I'm sure you can follow along. It reads like this. It was this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. So right off the bat, we see King Herod. He's in control. He has the power and the authority over Jerusalem, Judea, kind of the Samaria region, appointed by the Romans to rule over. And we see straight off the bat that he declares war against the church, which really meant that he declared war against God. Can I tell you that never goes well for anybody? God always wins in the end. Think about the great Soviet Union in the 80s, declared war on the church, but the church continued to grow. Communist China tried to put the church down, but there's millions of believers. It continues to spread. You just don't win when you go against church or go against God. Then he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. James is one of the inner, inner, inner group of the disciples. He was a disciple, and he's the first one to go. Has him executed by sword. When he saw that this met the approval, met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. What a terrible reason to persecute. To please men. To gain popularity. So he seizes Peter. Peter, well known in the community. Remember the day of Pentecost, he stood up and gave that fantastic sermon. People knew of Peter and what was happening. So so Herod says, I'm going to take this guy down. I'm going to take this leader of this church down. Has him arrested. Now this happened during the festival on love and bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod's intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. But Herod has a problem here. See, according to Jewish laws and Jewish traditions, you couldn't have a trial or an execution during religious holidays. So he has to work up some kind of plan here. He calls out the prevent defense. If you know football, it's an awful defense, right? He's going to try to keep Peter from escaping, so he, he, he issues a command to the guards. Now, these aren't the guards or the mall cops you see, right, with the scooters at the mall. No one, no one respects them, right? You, don't you just want to push them over, those things? They, yeah, you know, it's true. No, these are Roman guards. These were the elite military power, elite military force at the time. These are the Navy SEALs. And not only is Herod just concerned about escaping, he's going to go, you know what? I'm going to put 16 of them on this guy. To watch him day and night. And here's another interesting, interesting part. There's a law at the time that if any Roman soldier allowed a prisoner to escape, it would cost them their lives. So we have Navy SEALs protecting Peter. There's no way he can escape. No way. But let's talk about Peter for a second. But before we dive into Peter, I want to talk to you about how you view the people in the Bible. See, oftentimes this is what we do. We read stories about Peter and Paul and and these people, and we put them in this category over here. We go, this is them, and this is me. We put them in this category like they're Michael Jordan. If anybody knows anything about basketball, he is the best basketball player ever to live. 
If you want to debate me on that, throw LeBron in there. I'll ask you, how did LeBron play last night? He didn't do so well. <laughs> or maybe we put him in the category of like Warren Buffett, who is the most brilliant man in business as it is, best investor. Uh, last year, someone paid, check this out, someone paid, I think it was $2.6 million just to have lunch with Warren Buffett. Now, so that's amazing. $2.6 million just to have lunch with the guy. You guys won't even pay $2.60 to eat lunch with me. But that's the category we put these people in. That's the category we often put the people in the Bible. We go, oh, this is this type of person. They're, they're above us. They're beyond us. They have this godlike status. That's often what we do when we hear about Peter, Paul, and the disciples, and these people in the Bible. We put them in this category. But here's the danger. When we put them in this category, we're elevating man, and we're diminishing God. We're robbing ourselves of, of, of the gospel that God says, I can change an ordinary person and use him for the kingdom. When you elevate man, you diminish the power of God, and we rob from ourselves what God can do through each and every one of us. And I'll give you this, we're all different giftings, different talents, but that's what makes the church so great. That's what makes the world so great is that we're all gifted differently. And so here's Peter, just like us. Worries, doubts, stresses, concerns. And here's Peter in this prison cell, well aware of what happened to James a few days ago. Well aware that his buddy lost his life and that he was next. So he's in that prison cell, well aware that these could be his last breaths, his last night, his last thoughts, his last time here on earth. Now, some of you are already getting stressful. I'm stressful thinking about myself. But let's see what happens here. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church, what was the church doing? The church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church was on its knees crying out to God. And you could see the correlation that he must have been connected with this church. That they had a relationship. And here's, here's why I know this. Look at this word, earnestly. And this word earnestly is also the same word that Luke uses when he talks about Jesus in the garden. Remember how Jesus was in the garden praying? It said that he was sweating. Now, if you have to sweat when you're praying, that means you're doing some praying. And here we find the church on its knees crying out to God like they were about to die. Talk about some community. That's talking about supporting one another, being in one another's life. When, you're, when you can pray for somebody like that, when it's like your life is on the line, that's some prayer. And that's what the church was doing. There's always that phrase we always like to throw out. Um, and we put on coffee mugs or T-shirts, if my people who call by my name will humble themselves and pray, right? You know that one? And that's what I think the church is asking. God, would you hear from heaven and would you move mightily right now in Peter's life and set him free? And that's the question. Would God heal? Would God come? Would God come rescue him? That's the question. Well, let's see what finds out. We'll see what finds out. We'll find out here. Sorry. Ooh. Verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Peter was doing what? What was he doing? Are you kidding me? Right? I mean, do you not read that and go, that's crazy? Right? Here, Peter is sleeping. Listen, I have a hard time sleeping when I know I'm about to preach. 
like last night, right? And I have a hard time, I have a hard time sleeping when I'm just stressed or big events are happening the next day or concerns are, are weighty on us. I mean, I have so many little things that would cause me not to have good sleep, not to sleep well. But yet we find Peter is sleeping, aware that tomorrow is it. Doesn't that remind us of Jesus? Right? When he's with the disciples and they're on the boat and out on the lake and it's at night and here comes this huge storm. And the disciples begin to freak out. They're like, we're going to lose our lives. We're going under. And yet, Jesus is sleeping. And yet, Peter is sleeping. When the world's falling apart, when tomorrow's it, what gives somebody that kind of peace? that passes that kind of understanding. When Peter's world's about to be rocked and the circumstances in the natural go, there's no way you can have peace in a situation like this. There's no way you could sleep here. Yet, he's sleeping. Which makes me believe that this peace only comes by a close relationship with Jesus. Only, cl- only comes by, by knowing Jesus, walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, pursuing Jesus through The word and the disciplines. Close relationship with Jesus only provides you this kind of peace. It's God working in his life. And see, oftentimes we want want maturity. We want to be like Jesus and godliness. Like we want to wake up in the morning and it accidentally happened. You know, like it's Monday morning and it's 6 a.m. No one wakes up and goes, praise Jesus. And really means it. Right? Or especially for us morning people who hate anti-morning people. Like, we don't say, don't even, don't even talk to me in the morning, right? Or how dare you look at me, even. Right? It just doesn't happen. Godliness doesn't happen by accident. But it is this process of God shaping and changing us. Here's the cool thing. As I was studying this word, one of the cool things I found out was this event, what we're talking about right now, happened 12 years later after the day of Pentecost. See, sometimes we read the scriptures and we can just read it all in 30 minutes. It's like watching the show 24, right? Like, how can, how, come, how can that many things happen in 24 hours, right? It's not possible. But that's often when we look at the Bible, we go, oh, this stuff just happened so quickly. But what gave me hope? This is 12 years later. 12 years later after the day of Pentecost, 12 years of God shaping and molding this man that he could have peace in his circumstances. Often we just want to go to church on Sunday and get my Jesus on then, and I'll be good for the rest of the week. Does that work ever? Does that work ever? Even like trying to get in shape. Imagine going to the gym just once a week, right? Like you're not going to get in shape. Actually, I found this product they're selling. I want to show you. It's, uh, this is a real product. It's called the Abhancer. All right? It's this metal thing you put over your stomach, all right, that makes you have abs. And I love it. You can't really read it there, but it says this pseudo-athlete Jeff says the chicks dig it. All right? Thanks, guys. You can take that down. <laughs> but, but, okay, so it's this device you put over your abs, your stomach, to make it appear as though you have real abs. And I wonder if often that's what we expect of the church, that we're going to come in and have the appearance of godliness but inwardly have no transformation, inwardly have nothing different about us. We just want to have the appearance of the real thing, but not be the real thing. 
So the real thing comes by knowing and walking with Jesus as he transforms him. And here we see Peter's the real thing. What's going to happen? He's sleeping. Verse 7, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side. They think maybe he was punched in the side because it says, and according to the Greek, that he's probably hurt and wounded at this time. So he got struck in the side. He woke up. Of course he did. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Can I tell you, God does deliver instantaneously. The drug addicts and alcohol, I've seen it. People that are, that are addicted can be set free instantaneous. God does that. The chains fell off Peter's wrist right then and there. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak, wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel said. Peter followed him out of the prison. He had, he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. They went through it, and when they had walked the length of the street, suddenly the angel left him. Now that is a jailbreak. What seemed impossible. Navy SEALs protecting Peter. I mean, these guys, there's no way they could have escaped. There's no way Peter could escape. There's no way the disciples could rally up enough troops to go after him. No, the Roman military was too strong at the time. Impossible. We've all seen the show Mission Impossible, the movies, Mission Impossible. I find those movies kind of weird, and I'll tell you why. The whole movie is about proving that the mission was possible. Right? By the end of the movie, you realize, oh yeah, it was possible. They could have done that. See, we're here with God. It's always possible. And whatever circumstance you find yourself in, whether the odds are against you or not, or how big it is, I want to let you know all things are possible with God. And then Peter came to himself, and he said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything that the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Did you catch what he just said there? When others were meant for my destruction, when others were hoping for my death, when others were out to get me and destroy me. Oh no, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about a God who came to my rescue. Who came to my rescue when others wanted the worst for me. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying, but continued to see the church on its knees praying for his brother. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed. She ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. Okay? This is funny because he's still an escaped convict. He can still be put back in jail. So I'm, I'm sure he's like, come back. And he go, she goes in and says, Peter's at the door. And listen, here's the people that have been praying. And listen to the response. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be an angel. Do you find it interesting that here they've been praying for this guy for nights on nights? And yet they find it more likely to believe that it's an angel than it is Peter. That the person they've been praying to be released for, they're more likely to believe that it's an angel than it is 
Peter himself. Now, why is this? Why is it they would most likely believe it's an angel than it is Peter's? Because I think sometimes we doubt. Sometimes we even question whether God hears our prayers. Or maybe we think the answer is no. Because I believe they were probably praying for James, right? We found out James' life was ended. So probably thinking here, well, it's probably going to happen to Peter too. They didn't believe their prayers. Can I share with you one of the... um, one of the ways God has answered one of my prayers? Can I share with you? Of course I can. I got the mic, right? Um, all right, I, I got to come clean with you about one thing, all right? So I'm, I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, born and raised there 23 years of my life. And when, you're, when you come out of your mother's womb, they, like, brand you with a Dallas Cowboy emblem, all right? Like, you're, you have to be a Cowboys fan, okay, when you're in Texas and down south. They're crazy about it down there, all right? Just like you're crazy about Steelers, all right? And, and so... Being that everybody's crazy about it and I'm redheaded, I kind of go against the grain, you know? So as a kid, I never told anybody this. As a kid, I was a huge 49ers fan. Huge 49ers fan. <laughs> yep. And this, is, this was the glory days with um, Joe Montana, John Taylor, and then Steve Young, uh, Charles Haley. We had Deion Sanders for a little bit. I remember that. And, and I was just a huge 49ers fan. And my favorite player of all time is Jerry Rice. Like, I love Jerry Rice. I had his jersey. I had his cards. I had his poster. I mean, I read his book. Did you know he had a book? I did. <laughs> I mean, Jerry Rice was the man to me. And you know, as kids, sometimes you, you just pray random prayers. And I remember one night, it was an emotional night for some reason. Maybe I got in trouble. I don't know why. But I remember laying in bed, um, trying to fall asleep. And uh, I prayed this prayer. I said, simple prayer. God, if you're real, would you let me meet Jerry Rice? <laughs> Amen. That's all I prayed. <laughs> fell, as- fell asleep that night. Didn't think much of it. Three years later, my uncle, flying into town, he got a new job for a sports memorabilia company. He tells me he wants me to go with him on Saturday. It's like, sure. We go in the car, we drive to the airport, and guess who we pick up? Jerry Rice. Not only did, we get to, did I get to meet Jerry Rice, I hung out with him all day, went to lunch with him, have, he signed some autographs, and then we took him back. And I tell you, as a kid, I mean, that was like, woo! <laughs> and, and I couldn't even, like, get the right words out when I wanted to talk to him about the offense and all these things, all these ideas, you know, Monday morning quarterback, nine-year-old, right? And, but I remembered, I remembered a couple of days later, man, I forgot about that prayer. But guess who didn't? Guess who didn't forget about that little prayer that I prayed when I was a kid? God didn't. And I was astonished when I realized God answered my prayer. And listen, here's what the church does. So Peter keeps on knocking. And when they opened the door in Solemn, they were what? Astonished. They were astonished. They didn't quite believe. I mean, they were being obedient and praying for Peter. But they didn't quite believe. And yet God says, I'm going to show you Who's boss? I'm going to show who, who's boss. I'm going to show Herod. They were astonished. They were astonished. Why? Because God answers prayers. Sometimes the answers are no. Sometimes the answers are yes. Sometimes the answers are wait a little bit. And that was what it was for me when I was a kid. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet. <laughs> He's still kind of fearful for his life. What if the neighbors find out? 
right? Quiet down. And he then began to describe how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And then he says, he says, tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. Now, we can just read right over that. Who's this other James? And why does he mention him specifically here? Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. Well, this other James was the brother of Jesus. And if you know anything about the brother Jesus, he knew about Jesus. He see Jesus do miracles. He walked with Jesus. He heard Jesus preach and what he had to say. And yet this James didn't believe. But see, after this James saw Jesus die and resurrect, his life was transformed. And here Peter's saying, go tell this James, who's now being used by God, who's now a leader in the church, go tell this James that God answers prayer. And listen, and here we can have our excuses why we don't pray. In fact, if I took a survey of how many of you here believe we should pray, we'd all go, yeah. Uh, It's like common. We all know we should pray. And if I was to ask how many of us think we pray enough, I'm sure most of us would look down, right? And some of us would go, you know what? You don't know my past, Robbie. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know who I used to be. Tell James, tell Christ Church that God answers prayer. God answers prayer. And that's the message this morning. It's it's something we know we should do. It's something we believe in, but do we really believe it? Because I tell you here, this church and these believers and these people that saw this Peter whose life was about to end out of prison, they go, holy cow, God answers prayer. And I just want to remind you of that. That whatever circumstance you're in, whatever troubles you have, Simply, God answers prayer. Don't allow shame to be in the way. You know how there are certain people that maybe we've wronged, right? We try to avoid them, right? Like, you know somebody you've wronged, so you, you don't go to the 9 o'clock, you come to the 11 because they go to that service, right? You avoid them. See, often that's what we do with God. We think because we've messed up, we've blown it, we haven't spent time with him, we're going to just avoid him. And i got to tell you, the whole time he's standing with his arms wide open saying, come to me. Come to me with your your burdens. Come to me with your struggles. Come to me with giving your doubts. I stand here with open arms the whole time saying, come to me. Christ Church, God answers prayer. God answers prayer. Even when we doubt. Even when we struggle. Even when we're worried. Even when no matter what we're going through, God answers prayer. Let's pray. Jesus, build our faith. so many messages we've heard so many times we've heard it over and over that God answers prayer but will you do something in us today would you help us believe as Thomas said help me to really believe because when I start to believe I want to pray then when I start to believing in you God and my faith increases I want to spend more time in you When I start realizing how great you are, it's not an obligation anymore, God, but it becomes a joy to pursue you and to love you and to know you. Help us. Help increase our faith, God. We all pray. Amen.